Welcome to Running Off the Rails. My name is Ariel Rasco. And I'm Raymond O'Connor. And Happy New Year to everybody listening. This is our final episode of Season 3, if you pay attention to the little number in the description there. We're really excited to uh, finish up another year of recording. It's absolutely crazy to think that we're coming up on our 100th episode of Running Off the Rails. I remember when we first started, there were maybe like a list of four or five or six things that were like really grinding on me that I felt that no one was talking about. And I I need for someone to be saying this stuff. And the only way to make someone say things about this stuff is for us to give it a shot ourselves. (laughs) Because I can't compel uh, the podcast hosts that I and and the content creators that I like and admire to to talk on any one particular subject. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it always just felt like when we were having these conversations that we care a lot about, uh, it would be cool to dive deeper into them than we would on just like a normal chit-chatting phone call and to actually sit back and think and prepare a little bit and make notes, I think has been really rewarding for both of us in in our own games and our own lives in general, just uh, taking some time out of our life to put together something that we care about and are passionate about has been a really meaningful thing and has given my D&D time a lot more purpose. So I've really enjoyed that. And I know that uh, I wouldn't be able to do it without you, Ray. Oh, thanks, Ariel. I've said this to you before, privately, but now publicly for the world to hear. (laughs) I can't imagine uh, having done this show with anyone other than you, Ariel. So thank you very much. You too. So without taking out too much time for our beginning of the year slash end of the year uh, wrap up, let's get into this episode's actual topic of conversation. And that is a system for notoriety in RPGs. Originally, Ray and I were going to come to this episode with three of our favorite notoriety systems from maybe video games, TV, books, RPGs, or manga. But when we talked earlier today, we realized that there aren't too many notoriety systems that actually accomplished what we wanted a robust system to do. Yeah, it was was funny because in my head... I had been deeply inspired by the way that One Piece handles notoriety in the One Piece world. In One Piece, when a pirate becomes really famous or infamous, the world government, the authority of the One Piece universe, will issue a bounty for the pirate's head. And typically, the higher the bounty, the more dangerous or the more important that person is to the world government. And in the world of One Piece, it's this really awesome system that follows the main characters on their journey. In the very beginning, the first episode, the main characters are fighting against pirates that have bounties. And those bounties are getting higher and higher. And whoa, while this really dangerous pirate had a bounty of 10,000, will they be able to beat this pirate who has a bounty of 30,000? And then when the main characters get their first bounty posters, that's like a really great feeling. 
And this system has survived all the way until the end of the series, where Luffy, his goal over the entire series has been to become the Pirate King. And in order to do that, he needs to surpass the most powerful and the most important pirates. And because Luffy's bounty is actually starting to get pretty close to the bounties of those most important world figures, we as an audience are getting this feeling of tension and drama that the end of this very, very long story is actually approaching. We're getting close to the end of the story. I think a really, really great bounty system or a really great notoriety system imparts this feeling of progress to the the reader or the audience, almost like reading Lord of the Rings and being able to watch Frodo and Sam get closer and closer to Mount Doom. You know that the end of the story is approaching. So that was kind of the impetus for this episode was let's talk about some of these really awesome notoriety systems that we've noticed in different forms of media. And I actually had a really hard time finding other notoriety systems other than the One Piece bounty system that I thought uh, were effective at imparting this sense of consequence, this sense of importance, and this sense of progress. Yeah, I think it's interesting to talk about the metrics we were looking at for, for why we didn't love some of the other systems that we were looking at. And I think you hit on two of the huge ones, right? You want it to impart a sense of progress, and you want to be able to compare yourselves to the other characters in the world. Like you were talking about this $30,000 pirate that they fought, and once their bounty surpasses 30000 you now have like a reference point. Oh, I'm past this like level one part of the world. I'm now into the higher levels of progression in terms of my notoriety. And I think that's really, really important. And in general, we want it to be extensible enough that it's keeping track of your importance to the people in the world. It's not just a track of how much somebody's willing to pay to capture you, because that's really leading your characters in specifically one exact direction. So that kind of led us to the idea that a notoriety system should have multiple tracks. And we think that a two-dimensional notoriety system could be really, really good. Um, or if you have more groups and more ideas in your game that you want to track, your notoriety system should be able to handle all of those as well. Definitely. I think by bringing up the idea that a notoriety system should have at least two tracks, you ask the question of like, well, why, why isn't one track enough? So we decided to look at a game that has a just a one-dimensional reputation tracker, and that game is Gloomhaven. And Gloomhaven was one of the games that I actually came to when I was trying to think of uh, systems that work, right? I was like, well, what reputation systems have I actually played with? And I was like, oh, Gloomhaven is a reputation system. Do I think that's a really good reputation system? And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, actually, I really don't like the Gloomhaven reputation system. And, and then I thought more about why I didn't like it. And the Gloomhaven notoriety system, so you're tracking a thing called reputation, you start at zero. And whenever you do something good for, for the town or the city of Gloomhaven, you gain a point or two points of reputation. And you're trying to get to 10 points of reputation to open this like really cool envelope that has like this really important seal on it 
So you're trying to do good things to get there. And whenever you do something that's bad accidentally, your score goes down, back towards zero. And that, that feeling of losing progress is very, very negative, even though technically instead of trying to get to 10 reputation, you could be trying to get to negative 10 reputation because there's a class to be unlocked at negative 10 reputation. So you really need an extreme score in one of the two directions. And anytime you're floating around zero, even after having played the game for a very long time, that's a very, very bad feeling. It feels like you're making no progress. Yeah, this I think is a really helpful example to see like what problems we were trying to solve with our idea of notoriety and reputation. In real life, if you do 10 really amazing things and five of them are kind of you know, leading in one direction and five of them are leading in a different direction, you are not less famous. <laughs> you are way more famous because you did 10 things instead of Gloomhaven. You, in theory, just have no reputation. And that I don't think tracks what we want at all. And so one of the points that this led us to was that we don't think your reputation should be easy to decrease. If you do something that garners a lot of attention, you're never going to be less famous because of that. And you can kind of see a system that does that to the extreme uh, in something like GTA, where your reputation can decrease just by like hiding inside for a few minutes. This is a very unrealistic example. And I think that uh, Gloomhaven, although it takes a bit longer for your reputation to decrease, sort of has the same effect where eventually you become a completely restarted version of your character. It's as if the stuff you did before doesn't matter anymore, which is exactly the point of GTA so that you can play the game and have fun. But we want to have a balance where the game doesn't just forget about all the achievements you've made like Gloomhaven might if you end up balancing your good and bad too much. So maybe you have a system in your head for tracking notoriety, good notoriety, bad notoriety. So that would be like fame, infamy. And you're kind of, you're like, oh, okay, I have this system in my head, but it's so hard to make a system like this. How could I test it? I think that a system that supports the existence of a character like Robin Hood is a really good starting point for whether or not a notoriety system is effective. So Robin Hood is an example of someone who is very, very important to both uh, Prince John and also the people of, of Nottingham. He is a hero to the people, he is beloved by the people, and he is hated by Prince John. Uh, so if we were looking at the Gloomhaven example, Robin Hood's score would be zero. He wouldn't be famous at all. But if we look at the fiction of Robin Hood, he probably has a very, very high notoriety score. Uh, maybe we would call it like adoration, so the, the love of the people. Uh, and he also probably has a very, very high infamy score. So maybe that's the, the score that is related to threat or importance to the crown. And I think this duality creates a lot of tension and a lot of drama within the Robin Hood universe. Yeah, this example, I think, is such a great way of showing that the single track 
one-dimensional notoriety system can be tricky and a multi-dimensional thing sounds more complicated, but it's actually way simpler in this case. You have the people's opinion of Robin Hood and you have the like law people's opinion, the government's opinion of Robin Hood. And having those on separate tracks means that they don't cancel each other out. Uh, they're still creating a incredible character. And one of the things that I think adds another wrinkle to this is that Robin Hood is notorious for his morals, like steal from the rich, give to the poor. But he's also just a little bit notorious for his skill at shooting an arrow. And I think this translates so, so nicely to D&D because some people might want him in their town for giving alms to the poor. But maybe you have a government official who seeks out Robin Hood because he just needs the best archer in the world. And Robin Hood is notorious for being the best archer in the world. And that's valuable to anybody. And uh, this is brings up an example that I really love because it shows that these multi-dimensional tracks can incentivize alliances in really smart ways. So I like to look at Geralt of Rivia as a great example of a multi-dimensional notorious character. One of Geralt's titles is the Butcher of Blaviken. Geralt is infamous for committing a crime. But Geralt also has a different kind of notoriety, and that's for having knowledge of how to kill monsters. It's not just that he's really strong, that people want him to come to their city, it's that he has a specific set of skills that is distinct from an infamy based on, you know, whether he's helping townspeople or committing crimes against townspeople. He's just very well known for being able to solve whatever problem you have with a magical creature. This, to me, feels like a very separate track. It doesn't feel like it could be combined the same way Robin Hood's could be combined together, and Ray just argued that you shouldn't combine it. But I, I think this is another nice example because it these are very, very different ideas, like magical knowledge versus raw strength. And it creates these unlikely alliances that are tenuous alliances. When Geralt comes to your city, like the people are not happy he's there, but the people are relieved that he's there. They don't want to spend time with him, but they're relieved that he's going to solve their monster hunting problems. I actually ran into this weird problem when I was running Dungeons & Dragons in my out of the abyss campaign my players mark ali and jj their characters were framed for a crime and uh the city tried to arrest them and as they were trying to make their escape mark felt like he had no choice but to have his character use circle of death in a crowded marketplace to clear a path for them to escape and as a result mark's character killed countless civilians his character was never a good character. In fact, I would say that his character had done evil things prior to this point in time, but this was the first very publicly evil thing Mark's character had done. As a result, Mark's character and the party gained a lot of infamy. This was really cool. They had bounties published about them and, and they were very important. They became very famous and the players kind of enjoyed this notoriety for a little bit. But it started to get in the way of them playing the game. They went to visit Neverwinter and they weren't able to just enter the city. They needed to sneak into the city. They needed to use disguise self. They needed to disguise the fact that they were even adventurers to try and 
keep the heat off of them or, or keep the attention off of them or not let anyone know that they were in this place. And that didn't go well. And very quickly, it became clear that Dungeons and Dragons was going to be very difficult <laughs> for me and my players going forward. They couldn't just go on quests anymore. Every time they needed to talk to anybody, their infamous reputation was going to get in the way. And I don't think any of us wanted for this infamous reputation to just disappear, right? Like have one good thing cancel out a bad thing. Uh, because we wanted there to feel like there were consequences. And the players enjoyed their status as scoundrels, as infamous, important adventurers, even if that reputation was not uh, so shining. <laughs> so I came up with a way to make it a later problem. The officials of Neverwinter were aware of the incurring demon threat, and they had a poster in the town square that anyone who was willing to delve down into the underdark to go and address this demon threat would have all of their previous crimes be absolved as long as they returned victorious with the demon threat handled and the players wanted to go back down into the underdark they had they were kind of done with their surface excursions and this worked out really well it made it so that Characters didn't have to pretend like these characters weren't famous for being evil, but they also got to be respectful towards them because they were famous monster killers. Uh, so it was it was this way of being able to kind of like have our cake and eat it too. And I found that to be very effective. And this example that you came up with, Ariel, of like the sheriff realizing that he needs the services of the best archer in the land to handle this like existential problem is very interesting uh, because it is a very realistic tool that a dungeon master could use to still have a very high heat level on their characters. Like maybe their characters are known to be evil and scoundrels, kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy at some points in their career, uh, but still be able to like progress the plot of the adventure. This is a really interesting example for me, Ray, because it sounds like what you did was a little bit more uh, abstract, a little bit more explained than it was mechanically implemented, at least from the player's perspective. And one of the things that I feel about game design is that I want to have rules for things that I don't know how to roleplay, and then I don't always want to have rules for things that I do know how to roleplay, like... Some games will have rules for arguments, and I'd rather, I think, just have an argument with an NPC because I don't really need to learn how to have an argument, and then rules sometimes can slow things down and get in the way. And I'm wondering, you know, what do you think that we should do from a mechanical perspective to implement this notoriety system? And in your example, how would you have a notoriety system for this world where your players have like killed a bunch of people but were still needed without getting in the way of the player's ability to just smoothly interact with the world? Like how would you make it not too crunchy and, and too obtrusive? That's a really good question. I think that as long as you have an idea of what you're doing, maybe just awareness of the two dimensions that you're tracking notoriety on 
is enough to act in a way or run your game in a way that feels satisfying for your players. So I think the trap or the anti-example that some dungeon masters fall into is they track notoriety only on one spectrum. So like, did the players do something bad? Well, as soon as the players do something bad, all the town's guards and all the paladins and the clerics, wherever they go, are giving them a hard time and hassling them and trying to capture them. And then every time that the players kill these people who are trying to capture them, their notoriety gets even worse and even worse and things kind of like escalate out of control and there's no way back. But if you are a dungeon master who right from the outset is like tracking two things, one is how famous the adventurers are for being adventurers, it gives you a lot of freedom to not let their score on another spectrum get in the way. So for example, maybe the players aren't really well known for their power level or their ability to slay terrifying monsters, uh, but they do have a reputation for being uh, pickpockets. Like maybe the, maybe the, the thief of the group steals something from a manor where they were receiving a quest, there's a small bounty on their head, maybe they're level one, and the town's guard are out to get them. So that could be one encounter. And that's probably fun the first time that it happens. But every time the players return to town, they don't want to have to kill a bunch of townspeople, or they don't want to have to escape from a bunch of town's guards. So the players get out of town, and they go and they fight and kill maybe this famous marauding band of goblins or bugbears, or maybe they kill a young dragon. And now when they return to town, they're famous, maybe like the bards are kind of like talking or singing about them. They're famous for having killed a young dragon, even though there is this like small 10 gold bounty on one of the party members' heads for having stolen like a gold plate from, from a manor. The town's guard probably are not going to confront these adventurers. It's not worth the 10 gold bounty to try and apprehend them or, or kill them uh, because the player's reputation for being powerful and dangerous, but also very useful to society, right? Like this dragon may be, have been killing nearby cows and stuff like that. These towns guard are willing to kind of like turn the other way and, and not pay attention to the players. And then you you kind of get this kind of fun cycle where maybe the players are feeling like they're so important as monster hunters that they can get away with whatever crime they want to commit. But now they, so they go and commit a, a more serious crime. <laughs> like maybe they kill this like archduke who was maybe evil, but he's still an archduke. And now all of a sudden the crown is interested in them and they're willing to send like the secret police after the adventurer group because they don't want to do it in public because maybe the people love the adventurers. Uh, so they'll send maybe like some paladins and some assassins after the party. And you get this kind of back and forth, this cycle that you can tell is escalating, right? Like we're not going back to step one where now like the town's guard are trying to arrest the heroes again because their score went from 
positive five to negative two. You know, like they're they're at like a hundred points on Monster Hunter, and they're at like eighty points of criminal. <laughs> these two things just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and creating more and more drama and more important stakes. Yeah, I mean, I really like that concept of having one being in the driver's seat, that one of the tracks is the one that's more important for this scene, for this part of the adventure. And that way, you're maybe mostly focusing on one at a time. And then it, it gets back to that simple concept of, you know, one track of reputation. Um, but you are still escalating the others. You're not just like going back to zero, like you said. So I think that that's a really good way of, of using it. I had another idea that I kind of got from the show The Boys. I'll try not to include any spoilers for the show for other people because, you know, it's been out for a while, but it's still a popular show. I really like that in the show there's a relationship with the CIA and that relationship has different levels to it. And so kind of how I would use that in a D&D example is maybe I have this track and it has like numbers along the track, but the way my players would like understand their score along that CIA track was just from their person that they communicated with in the CIA. They have a person who maybe one day tells them, hey, great job, we got your back. You are now immune from being convicted of your previous crime. We've given you like diplomatic immunity. And then later on in the show, maybe the point person says, hey, you no longer have our support. There's been a change at the CIA and your recent actions were a problem. We're going to go after you. We're going to send agents after you. And I like this because it's like a role-played expression of my score. And they don't have to keep track of numbers. It's not another thing on their character sheet. But I have this knowledge. I have this track that I'm keeping. And maybe one day I would even show them the different levels on that track so they're aware of how they could engage with the game. Especially if they're newer players or new to a concept of notoriety. It would give them a sense of like, oh, we have something to work towards which is this idea of progress that you talked about, like with Luffy and the bounties. So in this example, I could show that if they work enough with the CIA, they might get to the point where the CIA will send reinforcements to help them. But maybe they don't want to work that much with the government, and so they can just get to a more equilibrium point where the CIA is not going after them. Maybe they need to feel like they're at a different level and they want to get to like the in-between where the CIA will help protect their family members because they're innocents, but they won't protect you like you're on your own. And these are things that all come up throughout the various seasons of the show that I thought were such a fun thing to be able to add into a game of D&D. Definitely. And I think something that's really important in the example that you outlined, you're talking about through role play instead of actually like showing a system to your players. When we're talking about a notoriety system, we're not necessarily talking about explicit mechanics that you need to think out as the dungeon master. Like you can have a rough idea of what you're trying to do and keep track of, and you don't need to explain the specifics of it to your players. You don't need to tell them, oh, the thing that you did got you 10 points of Monster Slayer notoriety. You can just tell them that you're keeping track of things. But if you do want to put some things in front of your players to allow them to feel this sense of 
progress beyond just conversations, you can do some things like uh, One Piece does with, with its bounties. And I think something that's really interesting about bounties is it isn't an explicit representation of power level. It is the importance of that character to the world government. And it's it's been very interesting throughout the history of the series because every once in a while you'll see a character who uh, has this really, really high bounty. But they maybe don't seem like they're so powerful. And as a reader, as an audience member, you start to wonder why their bounty is so high. Why is this character so important to the world government? I can tell on their bounty because their bounty is super, super high that they're really, really important. But I don't know why as a reader because they're not a super powerful pirate or they haven't killed tons of people. This can be really interesting in a game of Dungeons & Dragons as well. Maybe your characters are infamous criminals to one country in your world. Maybe they can they can go about their business normally in other countries, but in one country they're criminals. And everybody in the party has maybe like a 1,000 gold piece bounty on their head, dead or alive. And all of a sudden you issue a 5,000 gold piece bounty wanted alive only or dead only for one member of the party and (laughs) everyone in the party all of a sudden is wondering like why one of these characters in the group is that much more important to this government than the rest of them like you all committed the crime together why is the why is the government so interested in this one character and now all of a sudden you start to wonder about like their backstory or like, do you know someone over in that country? Like, are you are you related to either an important figurehead in that country or someone that the country wants to blackmail? Like, why are you so important? It's not just a tracker of your power level or the importance of the deeds that you've committed. You have a lot of flexibility along the way to not just kind of give your players snapshot insights into how many points they're accruing and you're like behind the dm screen system you also have like these weird twists that you can use the system to convey to your players i think this is a really good point because ultimately like there is a little bit of a tracker that the game has natively that tells you how powerful your characters are and that's just their level you know I don't want notoriety to be like completely replaceable with character level. Like your notoriety shouldn't just go up in a straight line for all players at the same time. That's what your level does. Uh, You should have a system closer to something like the bounty system where an individual character in the party might have a way higher bounty for some reason and it's not going to be tied to the strength of the characters and a bounty of an npc isn't going to tell you anything about how strong they are like it might correlate a little bit but i don't want it to be like oh i'm keeping track of notoriety this villain has a high notoriety score they must be super super strong Uh, and i like this idea of kind of mixing and matching types of notorieties in your game you know not just for an individual player and individual character in the party they can have like high notoriety and somebody can have low notoriety but i also like the idea of mixing and matching like one is numerical like 
going back to the boys as an example, uh, Homelander talks about his public opinion polls all the time. And one time he's like really mad that his public opinion poll is like down nine points. And that's obviously a track of notoriety. It's like very clear and something you could put into your game. And I think that would be really fun. But also you have a more abstract version of a notoriety, like how strong is this person perceived to be or how good are they perceived to be? And these are different important concepts that are going to come in as well. So when you put those all together, I think you get different adventures in D&D that could be really, really fun. Like I'm imagining this character that Ray talked about that had a super high notoriety might have been an undercover agent and their cover got blown. And that's why suddenly their notoriety went way high up. And I really like the idea of just like building adventures off of these weird different notoriety tracks. And I was thinking you could build a whole adventure based on your party being undercover. And maybe the person that they're working with in the agency that they're undercover for, like gets killed or captured or something. And now there's nobody left who knows that they are undercover agents. If that sounds to you like the plot of a movie you know, I think that's uh, a good thing for D&D because it means you're like on the right track and it's going to be dramatic. So a party of undercover agents and their cover gets blown, I think there would be wild swings in their different notoriety tracks in really interesting ways. And maybe they're trying to build back up their notoriety with the agency that they were undercover with from the start. And that's your new goal halfway through the campaign. That could be a really fun, like, twist that you put into something. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's just a lot of opportunity to motivate your players with these systems. One particularly awesome moment that occurs in One Piece that I could see you doing for your players is where the characters have a bounty. Uh, like the main, the protagonists have a bounty and they're they're in town and there's another pirate that's there. And that pirate has a higher bounty than them. And they are, they're, they're treating the protagonists very, very poorly because they're treating the bounties as their relative power levels. And it turns out that, that the protagonists actually are much more powerful than their current bounties would show. And they get into a confrontation with this character who is, who is being a jerk to them, who is being very antagonistic towards them. And during the fight, while the fight is happening, the new bounties are released. And, <laughs> and the protagonist's bounties are just multitudes higher than the the characters that they were fighting against um and and that moment coincides really really well with like the final knockout punch and it's very very satisfying as an audience member because you have seen the things that the character has done to deserve the new bounty like the bounties haven't been updated yet since since those things happened so you know that the characters are stronger than their bounties would suggest, but you don't know whether or not they're higher than the person who they're fighting against. So that moment, that revelation, where you see that the bounty is so much higher, as an audience member, is awesome because you're experiencing what the characters that are like spectating the fight are experiencing at the same time. And I could see you doing something like that in Dungeons and Dragons where 
maybe the the country that you operate in where you have a bounty for some goblin band that you defeated or maybe you have some sort of notoriety in that place maybe like a guild score or a monster hunter score and then maybe like on your previous adventure you went somewhere else you got teleported to another continent and you fought against an adult dragon and you killed an adult dragon and now you've come back but your score isn't updated in this region of the world that you used to be in because the deeds that you did happened elsewhere and maybe you have an adventurer who's talking smack to your adventurer group like oh like you have this low low score oh what did you do to deserve this score did you kill an owl bear oh like and they're talking they're talking smack to your party who just killed a young dragon or an adult dragon on, in the other side of the world and it creates this this awesome kind of layup for your characters for like a really cool moment you know it's interesting like what are are your players going to take the high road in that situation like what are they going to do how much pride do they have how much smack talk are they willing to endure knowing intrinsically that they're actually much stronger than their score uh would like indicate to the people who are in that place yeah this is a really really cool idea because it reminded me instantly of the power level readers in Dragon Ball Z. There's the freaking mm-hmm. famous scene of like, it's over 9,000, which, you know, works really well with seeing the bounties and stuff like that. But it also has this dynamic that some people, exactly like you're talking about, like the score that you read is is actually a lie or it's, it's not correctly updated. There are characters in Dragon Ball Z that can purposefully suppress their power level and it creates these exact same moments like you're talking about where someone will start talking smack to a character that is way way stronger than them and it's a funny moment it's a dramatic moment when there's the reveal that they're actually way more powerful and so you know i'm wondering if you could have a tracker that is like a magic item in your game where if you have a a track that you're using for notoriety that you think is particularly interesting or works in an interesting way you could give out a magic item to see the raw score and you could have a character that is able to to use that maybe once a day or or maybe a little bit less often if you want to keep it more hidden overall maybe it has like four charges altogether. things could work well with magic items if you're you know looking at god's favor like i know mcdm has a concept of concordance in uh, i think in strongholds and followers that's a tracker that you could use that has some level of notoriety associated with it if the churches are going to reward people with higher concordance or something like that. Uh, you could have a magic item that reads other people's concordance or a magic item that reads people's favor with uh, a certain god so you can see if they are favored by Bahamut because you're a champion of Bahamut and it could give you a read on things like alignment or things on uh, more magical sides of the spectrum like how much arcane power do they have. Uh, that ties a little bit closer to level, but I think the, the religion ones don't and could be very interesting. And you could get these moments where like, oh yeah, this person isn't notorious at all. And then you use your magic item and suddenly you see like, oh my God, they're off the charts. What are they hiding? And suddenly they become an NPC who's lying to you instead of just a random NPC that you found that was weak or strong. And, uh, yeah, I really like this idea, Ray, of having these kind of, you know, WTF moments of like, oh my God, we have not been updated on our bounty. We can do crazy things right now because nobody knows yet that we've killed this dragon or something like that. 
Absolutely. Yeah, like you can still go into the tavern and order a beer without everyone in the tavern like freaking out that you're there because you're not like a celebrity yet, even though you kind of should be, right? And you can have that moment where the characters uh, return to town from the really important thing that they just finished doing. And maybe they walk into the tavern and everyone treats them as normal. And maybe like there's this town idiot who's just always a jerk to them and is like talk smack to your party. And they've done that since first level and now they're like fifth level. And maybe that's the moment where the new scores are published. Like the town crier comes in and like starts pulling down the old outdated posters and putting the new updated posters on the wall. And your your party's poster goes up and all of a sudden people start in real time changing their how they're treating your your party it's very there's a lot of opportunity to kind of play with this idea and and have plot occur and character moments occur based on these abstractions of your notoriety system i i actually think maybe one of the most powerful ideas from this would be giving your players a meaningful clock and it's something we've talked about a bunch of times i think it's one of the maybe best known advice for dms is to give your players a sense of like they're on the clock and they need to do something or else. And uh, we've talked about like different nuances with that before, but but this is a really clever one because maybe information spreads by word of mouth pretty fast, but not super fast. And your players like need to do something before the townspeople that of the town that they're in find out who they really are. And uh, th- the reason I thought of this is because uh, your conversation there just reminded me of like a funny story in the like climbing and mountaineering community where there are certain people who are like taking down bolts and there are certain people who are like putting up bolts and it's a little bit of this you know discussion about what should we do with rocks uh should we you know keep them perfectly pristine with nature or should we make them safer for people to climb and so this like one person put in like bolts everywhere on this super super famous climb and people were going up and it was like a lifetime achievement to climb uh, Cerro Torre in Patagonia. And many, many people were suddenly able to do this lifetime achievement because there was like a lot of protection, a lot of bolts put up. And some people took that down. And there were a bunch of people in that community that were mad because they had like spent $10,000 to go and try to climb this thing. And now they like weren't good enough to do it anymore. And these people like wanted to go and do it in a different town. So like you have to... um, they ended up like not doing it because the word spreads so fast. Mm-hmm. Like if you can get your players to realize that they're against the clock uh, and that if they try to do something in one town, it will work. But the next time they go to a different town, the word will have caught up to them and the town will like revolt against them or something. Like I think that could be a really, really fun mechanic of having this like notoriety, have have consequences and, and follow you along and and really show this like, Oh, we're not notorious yet, but we will be soon. Yeah, like a delay of complete information, uh, like diffusing throughout the town. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so much that you could do. I'm excited to start using it more in my games. I've I've had a lot of success with the like two times that I've introduced bounty posters into my game, and I think it's something that I'll start to do more of explicitly. Yeah, definitely. It's something that. I, you know, keep behind the DM screen most of the time, but maybe now I want to play with, uh, like, showing it to the characters more like you're talking about these bounties. 
can sometimes I think be extremely helpful for your players to just feel like they're actually you know progressing and and to actually make your players feel like they're on a certain track and if they want to divert from it they can and they're not just stuck in one place and kind of all these different ideas for you know why we didn't particularly love uh these one-dimensional tracks I think uh letting your players know that there's two dimensions is something I'll take away from this conversation as well because sometimes I'll have like secret dm information but but if they don't know that there's multiple tracks that they can be on maybe they they will feel stuck in a way that i i don't want them to yeah definitely that makes a lot of sense unfortunately that's all the time that we have for today to talk about notoriety um if you missed the email and you backed emery's log of legendary eminences the premium print-on-demand version is now available there should be a discount code in your email if you back the, the Kickstarter, and if and if there isn't one there, uh, send us a direct message on Kickstarter. And uh, yeah, a bunch of people have already bought a copy. I, I didn't realize so many people were so excited to get their hands on a physical copy of the book. So that's that's very exciting, um, and I, I just feel very very thankful. Until next time, I'm Ariel Rasco, and I'm Raymond O'Connor, and thanks for listening to Running Off the Rails. If you enjoyed Running Off the Rails, please like, follow, and review our show on your platform of choice. Please follow our Instagram, Running Off the Rails, for notifications whenever we release a blog post, a new episode, or new content on the DMs Guild. If you prefer a specific type of content, please send us a message on Instagram. The jam you are listening to is Hoist by Andy G. Cohen, and you can find Hoist and more of Cohen's music on the Free Music Archive. You can find links to all of our content at runningofftherails.com or on our Facebook page, Running Off the Rails.